Welcome to the Christ Connection Podcast. We are here to help and encourage you to enjoy your adventure with Jesus. I'm your host, Kevin Senapati-Ratna. Let the journey begin. Hello and welcome to the Christ Connection Podcast. My name is Kevin Senapati-Ratna. I'm so glad you could join us today. Uh, if you're new to the show, welcome. We're glad you could join us. Why don't you subscribe when you're done with this and check out some of the previous episodes to learn a little bit more about what we're doing to help you on your adventure with Jesus to grow in relationship with Him. We are all about helping you to encounter God and to enjoy Him. And uh, today's going to be a good one. Uh, we have Claude King on the show. Claude uh, is written. I'm looking at his bio right now. There is a lot that he has written or co-written, and yet he's probably most known for being co-author uh, with Henry Blackaby of Experiencing God and all of the things connected with that. And we get into that because it's the 30th anniversary of that resource, which is uh, crazy to even think about. It's one of the uh, probably modern classics of the Christian uh, journey, and so if you've never checked that out, you probably want to do that and he's also come out with a new resource and we get into that as well but he's been working uh, with Lifeway resources for a long time and uh, has a lot to add to us and to help us as we try to navigate into uh, what it is to experience God and to enjoy his company and to kind of get into the vine (laughs) kind of as he talks about uh, encountering him so uh, rather than uh, rehashing the conversation before we have it uh, why don't we just jump right in Uh, So without further ado, my conversation with Claude King. All right, Claude, welcome to the show. Thanks, Kevin. Glad to join you. It's uh, good to uh, connect like this. We meet on in person at uh, denominational meetings and things like that. But uh, in this season, it's good to see someone's face. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, As we... uh, to jump right in here, uh, as we were uh, kind of setting this up, you're talking about uh, how you're, well, I said retired, and you said, well, not really retired, you're re- redeployed. Uh, so think, anyways, things are changing for you <laughs> now. Uh, maybe uh, explain kind of what's going on in your world right now, and then uh, kind of what still drives you uh, in this new season that you're in. Well, I, uh, I, Worked for uh, Lifeway Christian Resources for many years, started in 1985, but I had a 12-year break in the middle of that, and uh, then I I hit retirement age and decided to go ahead and uh, pull the trigger on that and retire, not because I'm looking forward to fishing things, although uh, being able to take some breaks uh, would be wonderful, but but I realized God's got other things for me to do and uh, don't have to worry about, uh, you know, working an eight hour day and commuting and doing all the conferences and things that I had done prior to retirement. But uh, particularly I've got a couple of books. I feel like God wants me to write. And when I sent out a notice to a bunch of my friends, a guy in, uh, used to be in Chicago, Phil Miliorati, uh He's a prayer leader, worked with Mission America, and uh, he said, uh, that's not retirement, that's being redeployed by the boss, <laughs> And uh, but he, he's not talking about my wife, he's talking about the <laughs> Lord, so I, I transitioned that to redeployed by the master. God's 
still got work for me to do. And um, it, it's nice to get up and say, Lord, what do you want to do today? And be responsive to that. Uh, just get a, get up and yeah, go where the spirit leads that day kind of a thing. And, uh, that's awesome. Uh, now I'm excited. We, I couldn't talk to you uh, and my audience wouldn't like if I talked to you and didn't at least spend a moment, uh, a little bit on experiencing God, which you're, uh, you're well known for. I, I pulled out my, my manual from, uh, actually to tell you the truth, I, have very limited books on my bookshelf since I, I moved back home in the, you know, home office, whatever that is, that's the living room. Uh, I got one bookshelf. And so I got to only keep my favorite uh, books and this one made the cut. So <laughs> uh, this is the 30th anniversary. Is that correct? That's correct. October will be 30 years from the time it first released. Wow. All right. And if you were to go back to that time period, what, what's it like? Uh, I mean, this whole experiencing God journey, what was it like at the beginning? Uh, how, how was that for you? Well, I first met Avery, uh, Henry Blackaby with uh, my manager, Avery Willis. We met him in 1986. He was uh, speaking at a conference in Georgia. Uh, he was still a uh, director of missions for Southern Baptists in uh, Vancouver, uh, British Columbia. And we'd never heard of the guy, but uh, during one of the breaks, they asked him if he'd speak on knowing and doing the will of God. And we were wanting to develop a curriculum on knowing and doing God's will um, for lay people. And I uh, remember Avery leaned over to me and he said, you think he's got a knife enough to write a life course for us? life was lay institute for equipping and um i said i don't know let's talk to him and we began to talk and we realized that god had entrusted henry with a very significant message for the body of christ that really needed to get out so i began working with him and uh, avery asked if i would co-author the book uh, let henry be the primary messenger and then i would develop the learning activities and uh, the process uh, to go along with it. So we began working together, came out in 1990, and I don't think either one of us could have imagined what God was going to do with it as it crossed all over denominational lines. Nearly every denomination I can think of has used the material, and it's uh, crossed uh, to other countries and other languages, other cultures, and uh, even in the last few years, it's being it was uh, being printed in China, mainland China. It, uh, we just did a new translation that came out of a seminary in Beirut, Lebanon, in Arabic. And uh, so to to see God using it in so many cultures, places like India and China and uh, Europe and. Uh, South America is huge with uh, Spanish-speaking people, so it's just been really encouraging to see lives changed and churches revived. Uh, so um, we, we couldn't have imagined that, but uh, what I realize is that uh, God allowed me to partner with a really godly man and help to get his message into a format where it could touch people way beyond his physical capabilities to, 
to go and speak or to deliver that message live. And so it's gone places that he and I'll never know about until we get to heaven. Did you, you said you didn't, you couldn't have imagined. Did you, is it, has it been surprising to you that in many ways that, that message, that book, I mean, you've written so much other stuff, but that uh, uh, message has marked your life. Uh, is that? Well, you know, the, it really has uh, had a significant impact. I've written o- other things, but writing with Henry really um, gave me a credibility. And people, most people know experiencing God, they know Henry Blackaby and they, oh, you're the other guy. <laughs> but um, but it's allowed me to have um, ministry way beyond my uh, uh, Southern Baptist roots, and that's been a real thrill for me. And as I was researching this, I read somewhere that you said that that uh, the material itself impacted your life. Can you talk a little bit about what that was like? Well, when I uh, when I was in seminary uh, training to be a pastor, I began to sense God wanted me to be a church planter. And uh, as I studied Paul's ministry, I thought, you know, I, I want to be a tent-making church planter, get a job, earn a living, and uh, challenge lay people to get involved in uh, the work of the ministry of building up the body, Ephesians 4. And and so I stayed and got a degree in adult education after my MDF so I could equip lay people for ministry. And uh, during that year, I made all of my plans of what I was going to do for God. I was going to set a new model and just really have a profound impact. And um, we quit our jobs in Louisiana at seminary and I moved to uh, Gwinnett County, Georgia, outside of Atlanta, the fastest growing county in the United States at that time. And um, I started working on my plan and asking God to bless it. And uh, six months later, neither of us had jobs and (laughs) our money ran out and we moved home to Murfreesboro, Tennessee, bewildered, wondering what in the world went wrong. Um, But then when I met Henry, I realized that I had it backwards and God had taken me to school in Atlanta to show me what I couldn't do for him. He didn't (laughs) need my plans. He's the one that sets the agenda. And um, it radically shifted my life to understand that my job is to find out where God's working and join him there. I still had a burden for church planting, but I got a job at the Baptist Sunday School Board. So I had a paycheck coming in and uh, begin to pray about, Lord, is there still an agenda for church planting in my life? And um, our local area director for Southern Baptist um, had a vision of us starting eight churches over the next 13 years. That was between 87 and 2000. Want to start eight churches. Our county's fast growing and so uh, I sensed that was God's invitation. I went and talked to him. The missions committee voted to call me as the volunteer direct, uh, church planter for the association. This time, though, instead of making my plans, I began to go and see where God was at work. I shared with churches, committees, different settings about the need to reach our county for Christ. And one way to do that is through church planting. And in three months, 
I had a list of 14 places or people groups where people would come up to me after I'd speak and they'd say, you know, God's given us a burden for a church, new church in this area or with this people group. And uh, in the first 18 months, we started six new churches. Wow. <laughs> I, I wasn't involved in all of those, but what we realized is God had a lot bigger plans than we would have dared to plan ourselves. You know, typically you plan a reachable goal. <laughs> you, you don't set goals that you think, well, there's no way we can do that. But, uh, but I realized that God uh, is the one who has the agenda. And if we can join him in his work, he will accomplish far more through us than we could possibly accomplish on our own. So for my whole ministry, that was such a major shift. And uh, everything since then has been very different. Uh, it's a God-centered perspective where we uh, we come to understand that God's the one who guides the agenda, and when we allow Him to join work in us and through us, He He can do far more than we can do. And that that, that phrase you've already said it a couple times, as far as uh, uh, look to see where God is working and and join Him in that. That's kind of the the heart for me. One of the big takeaways of of experiencing God and. Uh, I don't know how many times over the last years I've that phrase or that something along that lines it comes to mind. But uh, can you first, I mean, like unpack that a little, that idea a little bit more, but also just kind of along with that, what are the people looking for? If they're listening to this now, haven't gone, no, they need to go through the, <laughs> the workbook, but uh, what are they looking for? God's at, where is God at work? How does that work? Does that make sense? Well, yeah, sure does. And I, I would guess people are listening to your podcast. They want to know God's will. They want to do God's will. They want to experience God working through them to accomplish things only God can do. And uh, when you look at scripture, you think about who is the best example of a person who fully obeyed the Lord and accomplished his will. Well, Jesus would be that example for us. And Jesus in John five uh, tells us his approach. Uh, verse 17, my father is always at his work to this very day. And I too am working. And then verses uh, 19 and 20, um, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does for the father loves the son and shows him all he does. And uh, as Henry um, unpacks that verse of Jesus example, Jesus said, the father's at work all around me and now I'm working too. He, and my job is to look to see where the father's working and join him there. And uh, the father loves me and he shows me where he's working so that I can be a part of that. And, and so Henry summed that up. Our job is to look to see where God's at work and join him. And uh, so it's really Jesus model, but um, to understand that uh, the father's the one who sets the agenda and here Jesus was modeling for us uh, his intimate walk with the Father. There are a number of scriptures that Jesus says, these aren't my words, these are my Father's words. I, I'm say, saying to you exactly what he told me to say, or 
uh, the, this is his work. And uh, even in Acts uh, chapter two, as Paul, as uh, Peter is uh, doing the Sermon on the Mount, he, uh, he makes the statement, uh, men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited to God, um, by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him. And that really is the summary of Jesus' approach. Jesus uh, allowed the Father to do his work through his life and through his ministry. And because we are servants of the Lord, when we take that similar approach, it's not that I go to God and get his assignment, then I go off and do it by myself. It's God living in me, working through me, manifesting his spirit in my life and ministry, and God accomplishes what he wants to do, and I get to be a part of it. So it's a thrilling thing for, uh, for a follower of Christ to experience God doing through us what only God can do. It's even in uh, rethinking through this as we were preparing for this conversation, I was just going back and forth on my own life and ministry that there's seasons when you, you realize, okay, I'm, I'm pushing in my own strength here and, and then I, I need to back off and uh, God's doing something over here. And then, I, okay, I got to get over here. It's got this, this little process that, uh, and, and, and doesn't it seem like it's almost a, uh, Sometimes day by day or hour by hour, you're, uh, you're some moments you're doing your own thing and you're like, oh, hang on, this is not, does that make sense? It, it sure does. In fact, I, uh, you know, people think if you wrote the book and you've been teaching it for 30 years, you ought to have this down pat. Well, uh, I, I'm at that point even now, day by day, I'm, I'm needing to know, Lord, what's your agenda? And, and I, it's so easy for me to get on to my own agenda or to think, you know, use my own thinking and come up with my own plans. And I start working on that and then realize, you know, I need to back up and spend some time with the Lord and let him reorient me to himself. One of the scriptures that I frequently apply in my prayer, Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. My father is the gardener. And he prunes every branch in me that bears fruit so it'll bear more fruit and I'll come to the Lord and say Lord I got all of these good things I can do but I I can't get them all done would you please prune me and show me the things that I need to lay aside so that I can focus my attention on the things that really matter to you and uh, that's that's had a profound impact on me but yeah it's an everyday thing in fact, that's why Jesus said, deny yourself daily, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Do you think that's, uh, uh, this is just me off the top of my head, but do you think that's uh, more of a challenge for people who are uh, you know, maybe in our terminology driven or goal-oriented to, uh, to, you know, because I'm, I'm a guy who likes a checklist and likes the, the to do, you know, I mean, map out the next five years if I could. Uh, is is following, uh, you know, what God's doing a little more challenging for people like me? <laughs> well, it it is, and it it's not just people like you. It's our human nature to uh, to 
to take, think more highly of ourselves than we ought. <laughs> we think we've got it together and I, I know best, I can do this. And uh, in fact, Henry talks about the fact that uh, typically people who want to know God's will, they want God to give them a roadmap. Give me the map and once I understand where you're taking me, we kind of take over and say, okay, I can get there. And we go to function in our own flesh and our own wisdom and reasoning to try to accomplish the goal. And God pursues a love relationship with us that's real and personal. And it's that love relationship that's critical. And I think that's part of why God doesn't give us the roadmap where we can figure it all out on the front end. And because we depend on him day by day, I need to spend time with him every day and uh, be attentive to his voice and, and understand that, uh, you know, you can be like um, Philip, revivals going on in Samaria, and God says, Philip, I want you to go out into the desert to a road called Gaza, on the way to Gaza. I've got an assignment for you there, and on the road to Gaza, Philip leads an Ethiopian eunuch to the Lord that, uh, tradition holds he took the gospel to Africa. Uh, so God wants to have that kind of access to our life where he can change the agenda at a moment's notice and say, go here, do this. And uh, it changes the whole course of history. Peter was an example. He's on the roof uh, and has this vision. And God says, I want you to go to, with this guy who's a Gentile. His name's Cornelius. <laughs> go with these men that are at the, about to knock on the door. And uh, God introduces the whole Gentile uh, population to the gospel of Christ. And Peter gets to be the one to break through that. Well, he needed to have uh, allow his life to be accessed by God so that God could say, okay, Peter, here's a new turn in the road. You hadn't thought about this one yet, but I've got an <laughs> assignment for you that is significant for history. It's uh, one of my favorite sayings is uh, uh, Christianity was not designed to be boring. I mean, uh, we're, we're, we're met to go on this adventure with God and where he leads it. Uh, uh, yeah. Like Philip, uh, I, I always think about the fact Philip may never have gone back to that revival uh, from the story. He doesn't seem to make the journey back. God had something else for him. <laughs> we're, mm. we, we're, we're prone to, if a revival's happened, we want to camp there and uh, yeah. God's got. Well, in, in that pruning process, I was talking about uh, Andrew Murray wrote a lot about the, the parable of the vine. And, uh, and he says, when, when, you prune a grapevine, what you're doing is cutting off the portion of the vine that bore fruit last year. And you're getting rid of the thing that bore fruit in the past so that the new thing that comes forth can be more fruitful. So um, we need to be careful about just relying on our past experience. That, that, that's one of the things about experiencing God. Henry talks about spiritual gifts and he teaches it really differently than we typically have been taught that the spirit is the gift and it's the manifestation of the spirit in us that is the giftedness. And the most important thing is what's God calling you to do. And, uh, 
and then you obey him and his spirit gifts you to do that assignment. And we have a tendency to focus on the gift, the spiritual gift, and say, well, I'm an administrator or I'm a teacher or I'm a prophet or whatever, and focus on the gift. And then God has a new assignment for us and say, well, Lord, that's not my gift. I'm, <laughs> I'm not gifted for that. And God, God says, excuse me. <laughs> uh, you know, he calls Moses to be uh, a leader of a nation. And Moses says, I can't even talk correctly. I stutter when I speak. You know, I, you got the wrong guy. Uh, but God had the right guy and he gifted Moses for the things he called him to. That, that's that's such a good stuff there because we we i mean I, I i even think about the raspberries i got outside it's the hey, last year's uh, all those shoots need to be taken out because they're no good anymore they're uh, they've done what they were designed to accomplish and now it's time to get rid of them and uh, we're as christians prone whether it's personally or as a church to be prone to just stick on what worked yesterday when god yeah. may have have something new for us today uh, speaking of new you've got a new uh, book out uh, uh or are we calling it a workbook i don't know what what do you how, how do you how do you like to call it <laughs> uh that's what i call it i think on lifeway.com they call it a study guide oh but, uh, <laughs> It's a return to me, God's plea and promise to his church. Uh, and that just came out uh, as of this recording just came out uh, this year. Uh, what was kind of the heartbeat behind writing this? Well, actually, the what God was doing in my own life began back in 1989. Uh I worked with Avery Willis and was working with Henry and a guy named T.W. Hunt and the prayer leaders in our denomination uh, were beginning to pray together. And Henry was at a Keswick meeting in Pagosa Springs, Colorado, and a guy named Richard Owen Roberts preached a message on solemn assembly. And uh, our prayer leaders sensed that God was calling us to repent and return to the Lord. And uh, they issued a call to prayer in solemn assembly in September of 89. And then we, we had to get our Bibles out and study what is this. Uh, it was kind of a new concept to us, but we realized it's very biblical. And as we begin to develop materials to help churches uh, conduct solemn assemblies and uh, associations, state conventions, even denominations um, to do solemn assemblies, that began to shape our thinking and a couple of years after experiencing god henry asked me if i'd write a book with him called fresh encounter god's pattern for revival and spiritual awakening and i wound up quitting my job in order to write that out of a sense of urgency that we desperately needed revival and over the years uh, really my life message has been more oriented toward church health because so many churches are needy and they're declining or they've plateaued uh, many are dying every year and uh and i've tried to focus on what can i do to help a pastor accomplish in his church what he knows he needs to do for them to be restored to health and vitality 
So that's been kind of a heartbeat of all of my work uh, over these years. And um, I had a leader in our denomination who works with church revitalization, spoke to me and he said, Claude, we really need a tool we can put in the hands of a pastor. And this may be a bivocational pastor. He may, may have a full-time job and he's got a church that's needy and they're declining. We need a tool we can put in his hand. He may not even have a lot of uh, training to be a pastor, but um, we need a tool that we can put his hand to help him help his church return to the Lord. And so I began to pray about it. And I actually came up with, uh, I just sat down and made a list of topics that I'm thinking, you know, churches need to deal with this. Like uh, we need to reconcile relationships and learn to forgive, or we need to let Jesus be head of his church. We need to become a house of prayer for the nations. We need to be holy as he is holy. We need to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We need to love each other. Uh, and um, all of those kind of topics that I've run into problems with churches and they realize we need to, we need to get corrected on this. So I I began to sense the Lord wanted me to put this book together and Malachi 3, 7, God gives us that um, promise. It's a wonderful promise, return to me and I'll return to you. But I, I think the heartbeat of it is that God looks out over the condition of his churches and his heart is broken uh, because here, these people he's created, he's saved them, re redeemed them, he's adopted them into his family, he's placed them in churches. And so many churches are living a low level of spiritual vitality. And if you think about it as a parent, if you have a child that's just full of potential, brilliant kid, I mean, he's really skilled and gifted, and he gets through with high school and, and begins to just decline, gets involved in drugs or whatever, and he's living in the gutter. He's thrown his life away. And as a parent, you are so grieved and brokenhearted that he's wasted his life when he could have had so much more than what he's experiencing. Well, that's where we are as churches in many cases. And God is is grieved knowing we could be so much more uh, joyful and fruitful and have a profound impact on history and we're living a low level of spiritual vitality and so it's a a broken heart god comes to us and says please come back to me return to me and uh and if we will fulfill his conditions he's made us a promise i'll return to you uh, Andrew Murray, in one of his books, he said, uh, God's faithfulness in keeping his promise is waiting on our faithfulness in meeting his conditions. And if we will return to him, God will restore life and vitality and then fruitfulness. And uh, as we look at our nation and, and really the world, uh, if we don't have a spiritual awakening where lost people come to Christ and their lives are transformed in a significant uh, manner, we're in trouble as a nation. 
And our only hope is for God's people to become the salt and the light God created them to be so that our world doesn't decay and, and destroy itself. So that's been a, a part of the process of putting this book together and try to put it in a format where a pastor can help his people step by step, look at the scripture, see what God's looking for, wants us to be, and then to uh, examine ourselves and say, Lord, uh, what would need to change in my life? What would need to change in our church in order for us to be that kind of people? Uh, just uh, just listening to you now, and uh, obviously the audience can't see you, but I, 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 I'm looking at, at you and I, I'm seeing, uh, this is coming from a place of passion in your heart for the church. It seems like, uh, uh, has is that, uh, is it just years of working with the church that's built that passion for the church or, uh, where, where does that, where is that fire coming from there? Uh, as humbly as I can say it, I really think it comes from the Lord. <laughs> um, I believe I'm, I'm a servant of the Lord. And uh, God's placed his Holy Spirit in us. He says, uh, don't you know, Paul said, don't you know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you, dwells in you, and you're not your own. You've been bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And I, I really believe that what I'm experiencing is God's heart for his people. And he needs a voice. A, a, a vessel through which he can make his appeal. Please come back to me. And uh, I really want to see churches do that. And, and I've gotten a taste of that, some different experiences. And so I, I'm just full of hope that uh, God can fix this mess we're in. <laughs> uh, we don't have to keep living in a, this depressed condition if we'll trust him. Well, you said you've you've seen some things, you've tasted those things. Uh, maybe for that uh, pastor or leader that's uh, uh, listening to this and thinking, okay, I want to see something in my my church, or maybe just a uh, layperson and thinking, okay, I can, uh, I, I want I want that for my church. Uh, any stories that come to mind that inspire it might inspire this okay I, it looks dark now this is not going well uh, maybe i maybe this is me speaking from my my year nine years as a lead pastor when i was like this is this is not going well uh, what uh, anything any stories that come to mind that might encourage that pastor or leader or just anyone in general well, I, I've got some stories, but let me, uh, and, and I've put a bunch of those in the book. I, uh, I call them faith builders, and I just tell stories to, to help churches understand, you know, God did it for them. Maybe he could do that for us. But let me uh, start with a scriptural foundation for that. Uh, in Isaiah uh, 49, that passage is, has really impacted my own life and ministry, but uh, verse 14, Zion, that's God's people, said, the Lord has forsaken me, the Lord has forgotten me. And I think there are a lot of churches that uh, are pastors and leaders, that's where they are. They think God, God's given up on us or God's deserted us. Where is he? 
But God's response was, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. You think about Jesus in heaven who ever lives to intercede for us. And, and when we say, Jesus, have you given up on us? Have you forgotten us? And he's praying, looks at his hands and says, don't worry, I can't forget you. I've engraved you on the palms of my hands. But in this uh, passage earlier, God says, uh, in the time of my favor, I will answer you. And in the day of salvation, I will help you. I will keep you and make you to be a covenant for the people, to restore the land, to reassign its desolate inheritances, to say to the captives, come out, to those in darkness, be free. So uh, God's the one who cares more about our church health and vitality than anybody else. And uh, what he's waiting on is a people who will respond. But if we'll respond, uh, we can come to that time where Paul, quoting from this passage, said in 2 Corinthians 5 and 6, he said, uh, now's the time of God's favor. Today is the day of salvation. And and I believe God's waiting for that kind of time. Jesus himself said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Um, but that's not uh, just every church. That's the church that's the kind he built, <laughs> where he's laid the foundation and they're obeying him. And uh, the other, other scripture that, that is really encouragement to me is in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 11. Uh, As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, and I think about covenant blood, what kind of covenant blood did Zechariah know about? Well, it was animal blood. You and I have a better blood the blood of Jesus Christ, and God would say to us, I believe, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will rescue your prisoners from the waterless cistern. And a waterless cistern, you may remember in Jeremiah, God says, my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the wellspring of living water, and they've dug for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that won't hold water. And, and what, what the imagery there is that we've dug this hole, we've rejected God who's a wellspring of an abundant, unending supply of fresh, clean, clear water. We've given up on him and we dig this hole in the ground, hoping we can capture water and preserve it to quench our thirst. And it's cracked and broken and it's dry. And we're, we've become prisoners of this substitute we created for God, and we're dry and thirsty. And God says, because of the blood of my covenant, I'm not going to leave you there. I'm going to rescue your, the prisoners from their waterless cistern. And then he goes on to say, um, return to your fortress, O prisoners of hope. Uh, but the word fortress there is not a building. God's saying, return to me, and uh, I'll make you a prisoner of hope, and I will restore twice as much, and, and uh, God's the one who wants to make us a prisoner of hope. He's the God of all encouragement. Let me tell you real just quickly one story. I, 
got lots of stories, but I had a pastor call me from the panhandle of Texas, little community. And he said, uh, Claude, uh, was, I got your phone number and I um, just wanted to call and ask you to pray for my church. And if God tells you anything, call me back. Well, uh, I never had that asked of me before. I said, tell me about your church. He said, well, we, I've been here for 15 years. And he said, um, it's been a difficult place, a difficult ministry, but he said, uh, we went through a study of experiencing God together as a church and God began to, uh, call us into love relationship with him and people began responding and wanting to obey the Lord and join God in his work. And he said, when a fresh encounter came out on God's pattern for revival and spiritual awakening, we went through that study and started repenting of sin and correcting things. And he said, um, we think we've been revived. He said, this isn't the same church it was used to be. He said, people love each other. And they get along with each other. He said, I have people coming every week saying, uh, Pastor, is there any special need? I can help meet that need. And he said, uh, our, our business meetings, they're harmonious. And he said, that even the deacons love the pastor. I've <laughs> never been in a church like this before. And we think we've been revived. But as we've been praying about it, there are two things that concern us. Number one, we really believe God's calling us to be a people of prayer. And number two, as we study God's pattern, we see that if we've been revived, we ought to see a spiritual harvest, and we're not seeing a harvest. Would you pray for us? And if God tells you anything, call me back. Well, I just had some time, and I went off, spent some time around the walking track talking to the Lord and got this download of ideas. I made two pages of notes, called him up, shared some ideas. Well, they, they gave the springtime of the year to focus on prayer cleared their calendar of anything that would distract them from prayer and harvest. They went through a study I'd written with T.W. Hunt on um, praying faith and uh, took all of their uh, people, uh, beginning with sixth grade through senior adults, through that study on prayer. And you, you learn from T.W. five days a week about how to pray, and then you get together and have a prayer meeting. So they did that for six weeks, and then uh, they begin a 50-day prayer from praying up to Pentecost between Passover and Pentecost. They prayed for 50 days, uh, read a scripture, uh, talked about as a family, what, what's God saying to us? And then they started making a list of lost people because we're praying for a harvest. And we asked them to start making a list and praying for those people in their circles of relationships that didn't know the Lord. They did that. They had 10 days of Pentecost prayer meetings, Andrew Murray's idea from South Africa, where for 10 days leading up to Pentecost Sunday, they met corporately to pray. And so they, uh, they had uh, cottage prayer meetings in homes. They had a prayer meeting where they invite all the Baptists in the county together. They had a, another prayer meeting where they invited other denominational churches to come meet with them and pray for their county. And different kinds of prayer experiences. They One night they commissioned a missions team that they were gonna send off to Russia on a mission trip. And uh, they invited me to come that weekend and I, I saw a church that had really learned how to pray. And uh, it was an amazing time, but Sunday came, uh, people shared testimonies during the morning service and 
they were on local cable TV. So by the time I got up to preach, there wasn't much time left. I read a scripture, said a few comments and gave an invitation. One little boy walked down the aisle and it was like popping a balloon because they were expecting an explosion. And it was, it was just so deflating. One little boy got saved that week. And, and so, uh, but we had dinner on the grounds, Pentecost Sunday's a feast day. So we had dinner on the grounds while we were doing that. A lady who'd seen the cable TV program came to the church, found the pastor. She said, I want what those people were talking about, all those testimonies. And he led her to faith in Christ. About three months later, I called the pastor just to check up, see how things were going. He said, Claude, we can't go back to the old way of doing things. He said that missions train team, we, uh, sent off to Russia, they personally led over 400 people to Christ on that trip. And uh, I was telling this story years later in Colorado and a guy who was a retired pastor said, uh, you don't know the rest of the story, do you? And I said, well, maybe not. What's the rest of the story? He said, uh, my church was also on that mission trip. There were a bunch of churches on that mission trip. But when we heard this uh, about the praying that was going on in Wellington, Texas at that church. We sensed God answered their prayers because we weren't praying like that. We saw 10,000 come to Christ on that wow. mission trip. And, uh, but then the pastor said, uh, Claude, we've been doing prison ministry for years, but in the last three months, 225 prisoners have come to faith in Christ. Wow. And he said, then, um, in our little town, uh, about 3,500 people in the whole county, he said, in our little town, the lost people we've been praying for, 25 of them have come to faith in Christ. And he said, we can't go back to the old way of doing things. Here was a church that began to get right with the Lord and, and uh, repent of sin and became a people of prayer, began to care about lost people. And I saw what God can do with a church, can move from being uh, impotent and ineffective to being a healthy, vibrant church. And I, I just imagine what would happen if churches all over the country started loving the Lord and serving him like that. What could happen with that? That, that is amazing. That's, a, that's an encouragement with the scripture and the, and the story there. Uh, our time is, is coming to an end here. And so I, I, I want to, and be respectful of your time but uh, if there's uh, two things we could do before we, we wrap up and then just uh, kind of uh, hearing that uh, and he hearing your heart wondering if you'd be willing to pray for the audience uh, uh, that uh, wherever they're at and that they're, that return to god uh, would take place in their church uh, and then uh, before we wrap up we obviously want to let people know how they can find out all the uh, the resources, but you be willing to uh, take a moment to and just pray for our audience. <laughs> sure, I would love to. Heavenly Father, uh, I, I can't help but thank you that out of your love for us, you sent your own Son to die on the cross for us, and it's His uh, shed blood, the blood of the new covenant that uh, has redeemed us. And Lord, you've purchased us for yourself through his life given on the cross. And Lord, you, uh, you love us. And uh, we are the future bride of your son, Jesus Christ. 
and your desire is that uh, we would uh, be your instrument through which you would work to get the gospel message, the light of the gospel to the ends of the earth, so that in eternity there will be a, a multi-ethnic multitude of people from every race and tribe and nation and tongue who'll be worshiping together before you at the throne. Uh, Lord, that's your plan. And you want us to be the people that you've called us to be and redeemed us to be. Lord, uh, the truth is there are many of us that find ourselves in uh, dry, waterless cisterns, uh, and we're missing out on the life and vitality you long for us. And I, I pray, Father, would you help us to hear your heartfelt cry, come back to me, return to me. And Lord, I pray that you'll put it in our heart, uh, a yearning and if necessary, a desperation to come running back to you. And, and I pray, Father, whether it's return to me or just God's people getting in, in the word and your spirit speaking to them, I pray that you'll reveal to us the areas and the things we need to do to be restored to right relationship with you, to obey you, and uh, be filled with your spirit so that as you work through us, you would accomplish what you've purposed and we would see great fruitfulness come through our individual lives and in our churches and Lord, I pray that uh, you'd begin to revive churches all across our nation and literally around the world uh, so that we would be fruitful for you. Lord, we're living in a critical time in history and everything in our world is being shaken to its very foundation and people are looking for hope and uh, stability and security and I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would use this time as people are seeking for things that are eternal. I pray that they will, uh, through your people, hear the good news of the gospel message of Jesus Christ and that you'd begin to draw people to faith in your Son in numbers and in percentages like we haven't known in our history. And uh, I pray, Father, that you're your promise through Christ would be true that when we're the church Jesus built, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Uh, we want to be that kind of servant of yours. And I pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord, help us to get our eyes fixed on Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. And uh, Lord, I pray that we would become a holy, clean, pure vessel you can fill with your Holy Spirit so that we will have power in our witness and see much lasting fruit come to the glory of uh, your Son and uh, that would bring glory to you. Uh, that's our prayer, Lord. I pray for, for you to do a mighty work that uh, only you could get credit for. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you for that. And, and this, this conversation, I've, it's been rich for me. I, I feel encouraged at the end of the conversation. So that's, 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 a, that's a good sign there. Uh, where can, and we're, uh, we were talking before we hit record, there's a lot of resources you have, and they're going to need to probably go to the show notes because we'll put them all there for people. But uh, anywhere you'd like to 
if people want to learn more about Return to Me, uh, anywhere you'd like to send them to, or any of your other resources? Well, I, I would say uh, two things. One, lifeway.com. Lifeway.com is where the resources are available, Experiencing God and Return to Me both. Uh, if you can go there and just search them, there's a pretty uh, substantial uh, overview of Return to Me, a list of the table of contents, all those 35 topics that I'll deal with. And, uh, and I've sent you a sample that if you want to, you can uh, make it available to yep. your listeners. Um, that's pretty substantial introduction. Uh, the other thing I, I'm just now developing it since I retired, uh, I'm not, a, don't have a place on lifeway.com any longer, but I've got a, a, a website I'm putting together. It's called growingdisciples.net, growingdisciples.net. And, uh, it's got, uh, all of my resources, uh, links to them. It's got, uh, probably a hundred videos. Uh, that are accessible, uh, that tell stories, uh, just clips. They're an amateur job I've done with my phone. But um, <laughs> anyway, that uh, those two places would be a, a place. And I'll, I'll, uh, I'm still working on glitches, but uh, eventually that website will be uh, more useful. <laughs> and it's got lots of links already to videos and resources. Oh, wonderful. Well, uh, thank you for taking the time today. Uh, thank you for you know, all that you've done for the body of Christ over the years. And, and today adds to that total. <laughs> well, thank you, Kevin. Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. And uh, as he mentioned, he's put out some a bunch of resources to help you, videos, things like that. And so you're going to want to go over to the show notes. You can find those at ChristConnection.cc, uh, like as in CC, like as in Christ Connection. So ChristConnection.cc. We try to make this easy for you to remember uh, while you're driving or listening. Uh, check out later ChristConnection.cc and just click on the podcast and you'll find all the resources that he mentioned, uh, links to things that uh, you can find out more about what he's doing. And while you're there, why don't you check out what we're doing as well. Uh, before you go, uh, why don't you share this with a friend who could uh, help be helped on their journey in their adventure with Jesus. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, all those things to help us uh, share this with more people because we want more people to experience God, to enjoy His company. And that's what it's all about. And, and so uh, any of those things that you can do, again, subscribe, rate, review, uh, wherever you're listening to this, we'd appreciate it. So uh, thanks for joining us today. And until next time, God bless.